0: Before I preach, I'd like to have all the veterans in the room, please stand. If you, whether you actually went through combat or not, would you please stand? You're a veteran of the military. Veteran, by definition, means you served in the military. It doesn't matter if you saw a combat or not. Okay, we want to bless you. Would you please surround these veterans? I know Vaughn, has, uh, Vaughn was in Vietnam. He's seen a, a ton of stuff. And um, we want to thank you. I can't not get choked up every time I think of what it takes to serve in the armed forces of any nation. Can you imagine being a, a young man, young woman in Israel right now? But that goes for everywhere. The moment you sign your name on that line and enlist, you have offered yourself a living sacrifice. You don't know if you're going to be sent out and tomorrow's going to be your last day. You are willingly putting yourself on the line for the sake of others. So we bless you in Jesus' name. If you have memories of battle memories of friends who have died maybe even in your arms we say Jesus come and bring the comfort that only you could bring wipe those memories and fill them with peace instead of anguish God we bless these veterans and thank you for their willingness to offer themselves with the greatest love that there is to lay down their lives for their brethren And we pray that you, uh, I pray whatever our government does to give them benefits for their service, would you overwhelm them with your goodness and open up the windows of heaven, pour out such blessing on them that they couldn't contain it even if they wanted to. Bring great peace to them, Lord, healing to their hearts. And I pray a commendation from heaven over them right now. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant, my beloved sons, my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Amen. As we say, uh, it sounds so cold sometimes, but thank you for your service. I mean that. Um, Before before I preach, too, there's one announcement I wanted to make for you. We're going to be hosting an event here December 1st which is the first Friday of the month from nine to one. And it's a poverty simulation where a church that really feels called to minister to the broken and the down and out and to people who've just had life just absolutely clobber them. And uh, this simulation is done by people who it's various ministries and there's some government agencies connected to it too, who um, minister to the poor. They, they do all kinds of things, you know, everything from feeding, housing, transportation, all these kinds of things. And, um, I office to host it. We've done this before. It's been about 10, 12 years or so. We've hosted it before. It's a simulation to get into the world of somebody who lives in deep and generational poverty. I think I exhorted us a few weeks ago when we were in Isaiah 61 that it's not ours to judge why somebody's poor. It's ours to reach out and minister compassionately and uh, not wait until we have a passion for it, but just be compassionate because compassionate means bringing comfort with the passion of the Lord. So this is a really good workshop. It's about three hours total. It's not, it doesn't take that long. But you'll role play either as somebody who lives in that generational poverty world or as somebody who ministers to them, or maybe you're a government agency. I found it really eye-opening. I grew up in New York City. I was right next to the projects where I grew up. So all my friends were in that generational poverty. But this really opened my eyes as an adult and as a minister to get into the world. It's called incarnational ministry. That's a term they use in seminary. It means Jesus left heaven's throne he left a place where there is no sorrow. There's only joy, only, grief, only peace. And he got in the mix. He got dirty. He got muddy. He went to the sinners. He went and so, so much so was he with them that they said, he must be one of them. He's a drunkard and a glutton because he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But we want to wear that as a badge of honor. I would love for somebody to accuse me of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I even know, I have two tax collectors that are friends. <laughs> I was aim to pay on time for all my local taxes because they'll know they're like pastor You know, no, they don't do that. They, they keep a separation of that But anyway, if you you have to sign up for it because there is food provided and they need to know how many are coming So out in the lobby is a flyer about that so you can sign up and do that So I want to share with you one of the most exciting prospects in all of human history And that is that we can get free from everything all the junk that used to weigh us down and we can stay free how many of you got free and then got stuck again into the same some of the same things that you got set free from anybody else but me everybody does it don't don't look at me like that we all you know the moment of the cross as i shared with you we were set free from everything it was a jailbreak the bars came down gates of heaven opened wide way back to paradise wide open again and we had opportunity now completely free of everything we used to be if we in fact died with christ and were raised with him i think i addressed i'm not going to go back in i addressed about their other gospels out there that say just kind of pray this prayer and you know all you gotta do is believe and and then you go on you got your ticket to paradise there is so much more to it and the good news is better than we ever knew Amen. The good news is that there's a life to be followed on the other side of that prayer and that dedication of our life to the lord that turning of our heart as i shared repent means turn toward god and move in his direction there is a life to be lived and freedom to be had and the only single benefit of heaven that we can't have yet is being raised from the dead and that's only because you got to die before you can have that one Everything else that heaven has is ours right now, not pie in the sky in the buy and the by and by. I can't wait to get to heaven to experience that. We have access to everything that heaven can afford. Why would Jesus teach us, teach us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if he wouldn't make it available to us? Right. He's not saying, "Well, oh, pray that prayer in hope. And one day he'll explain, yeah, that's not actually going to happen. He wants us to experience life, and that more abundantly. It's why he endured the cross, and he thought nothing of the shame of the cross and that particular way of dying, because he knew the joy that was on the other side of that cross. It was us walking and living in freedom. Amen. So, we looked at a scripture last week, and I kind of want to pick up on this, because Jesus gave us the key to living free, the key to staying free, and uh, every pagan on earth, I knew it in college knows the truth shall make you free but there's so much more to it than that because the devil knows the truth did you know that (coughs) the devil knows the truth the demons were the first ones to recognize the son of god when he walked by now they cried out for mercy but they knew the truth they know the truth of who jesus is they know the word better than most christians do And they know how to manipulate it and use it to condemn us better than most. But demons know stuff. It's not about the truth shall set you free. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're truly disciples of mine. So there's a continuing in it. There's not just a praying of a prayer. There's not just a, hey, Sunday morning, I opened up my Bible or I read the Bible on the screen. (laughs) You should still bring your Bible to church. Can I just pause for a minute and get on a, I'll stay on a short soapbox. Short in length and short in stature. That you've got to be in a, a Bible. And I know like it's you got apps and all of that, and I trust you, you're not texting when you're flipping around on your phone, you're not on TikTok or whatever. Well while, while somebody's sharing up here with that. But there's something about actually opening up a Bible and knowing where to find things and consuming that word for yourself. Not having somebody feed it to you. It's not my job. Can I, can I, is that all right? It's not my job. It's not my job to feed you, because you ain't babies. Yeah. I fed all of my children when they were babies. And, and, and then it came a point in time that I said, now pick up that spoon, put the food in your own mouth. Then it came a time, let me show you how to cook that food. And then it came a time, that, how about now you cook for the family? Can I just, got got shout out to Taya. Taya cooked dinner for the whole family the other night. She's 12 years old it was awesome it was man i was like teach that girl how to make some more stuff (laughs) there should come a point in time in our lives that we can feed ourselves that you could take this and learn how to bake the bread of life and share it with others share it with somebody who's a newborn in christ and like they don't even know like i used to think the book was called job (laughs) i gotta get a job man and, and Malachi the Italian prophet you know that that's what I understood that's what I'm from New York hey Malachi no 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 it's actually Malachi I say yeah you say Malachi and Malachi sounds good to me that's what I knew about the Bible when I came to Christ but I had somebody teach me I had somebody Phil Cappuccio, who sat me down and taught me how to get in this thing and then I started picking it up for myself and now I'm addicted to it and it, it's its great reading there's so much really good stuff in here but you got to know how to feed yourself. That's how you continue in his word. You continue. It doesn't mean you visit with it once a week or maybe on a Wednesday night Bible study or whatever. You, you continue it every day. It's daily bread to you. So then you, my disciples, and you will know the truth got to know the truth first and the truth will make you free so knowing the truth doesn't mean knowing about the truth it doesn't mean so what you're receiving today is secondhand revelation apart from me reading scripture to you on a Sunday morning you're receiving the fruits of my life in Christ the fruits of my studying the word and I'm sharing that with you In hopes that it'll benefit you somehow and you walk with God. That is secondhand revelation. That's milk. That's what milk is. You know, we talk about the milk of the word, the meat of the word. We get that from Hebrews. You know what milk is? Milk is the most amazing thing that mammals can do. And moms can do, especially when I watch, uh, and I know that a mom can eat food and make food that a baby can grow with, that's palatable to them. Because a newborn baby can't eat solid food but a mom can make it into something that a baby can, that is just a marvelous process. But how many of you know, when you're 30 years old, it's time to stop nursing. (laughs) Maybe I should back that one up a couple of decades. (laughs) There Comes a point in time where we've got to become milk producers and now get away from the the, uh, sex part of it, the gender part of it, and men, we produce milk too. That others can draw from and that's what I'm sharing with you today is secondhand revelation but we have got to be a people who know the word for ourselves and when somebody asks a simple question like why should I be baptized we ought to have ready answers for that because we've been in the word and it's very easy and very clear so knowing about the word is one thing knowing the word is when you know the truth that will set you free for whom the Sun sets free if the sun makes you free, you'll be free indeed. So let's talk about how to stay free, how to live in such a way that from that moment that we come to Christ and we have that encounter with Him, that life-changing, I am now, I just did a complete 180 in my direction in life. That's how radical a change the cross ought to make in our lives. Now that I've done this 180, how do I keep walking true, right toward heaven's doors, right toward uh, Christ, without getting off to the left and to the right or maybe even backsliding and turning around which to always do that's the way the right way this is the wrong way not not that you're the wrong way <laughs> I just gotta how do I live in such a way that I don't keep going back to the same slop that he found me in in the first place so our freedom comes through our active agreement with the Living Word now the Living Word means it's in writing this book is alive have you noticed that I studied uh, I was an English major and I specialized in folklore so I read all the fairy tales and stuff but I also studied all the world religions all the pagan and monotheistic everything I read it all I read the Quran I read all the Buddha books and all that kind of stuff when I got to the Bible I, I wasn't saved yet I just remember there was something different about this one there is something about the words on this, and what, it was, what was different about it was that these words bothered me a lot. I was, in, I was in a life of sin trying to get as far away from God as I could, and this book bothered me. But not in a way like the other ones were annoying because I'm like, that's stupid. The earth's not on the back of a turtle. Everybody knows that. Not like those weird pagan ones. But it bothered me in a way because there was something in me that did not want to hear the truth. There's something, and that's that's, that spirit of rebellion. There was something in me that said, if God says it, then I want to do the exact opposite. And I couldn't understand, I don't know, uh, at that time, I didn't understand why that was. Well, now I understand. Now I understand that all of us, when we come to Christ, we are full of demonic strongholds which are and we're going to talk about those this week and next week full of ways of thinking that resist the truth of god's word whether spoken through the mouth of one of his servants or written on the pages of this book we love so much so our freedom comes when we choose agreement with what the word says every time every circumstance of life we actively agree with it which means not just hey yeah i agree with god how nice but I agree with it in such a way I'm going to live differently as a result of what I just read and what I just heard. The truth works every time. The truth works every time. Love never fails. What is true never fails. That which is true always works. Only when we agree with the enemy's truth, which are lies, the enemy always says the opposite of what God has to say. When we agree with the enemy's lies, that's when we bring chains back into our free, resurrected life. Saint of God, you are a freeborn citizen of heaven. There are no leaders except God alone in that place. There are no masters in that place. There are no laws, there are no regulations in heaven. There is no need for anyone to rule over anyone else because everyone lives righteously. We are, you are a freeborn citizen of heaven. You have no need for anybody to tell you what to do or how to live your life. Provided that we've agreed with the truth of God's word in our heart and not with the lies that we used to believe. Does that make sense? That was, uh, that was I'm not sure if I said it right kind of response. I'm trying to decide, I'll move on. You are powerful and you have been given control again over your own heart. You are not a victim. You're, there's nobody in this life that's a master over you. There's nobody who can, you know, you can say to everybody, You're not the boss of me. You have been set free. But a free person now has free will your will was restored at the cross the one thing the first thing that that i could say about what did god give us back at the cross we were once slaves to sin now we're free how many of you know it's a little bit scarier to be free than to live life being told what to do all the time you know it's an amazing phenomenon and i forget again i don't want to make up any more statistics today But most people the overwhelming majority of people who settled the United States of America were entrepreneurs They didn't work for somebody else. They started their own business. They ran their own farm. They made their own stuff blacksmith, you know carpenter, whatever it was and most everybody owned their own business now most people work for somebody else and even in gigantic warehouse factory environments where It's it's somebody else telling us what to do. There's nothing wrong with that I know some of you work at like MI and things like that Thank you for making awesome windows and doors for us and and you're part of a great work with that I'm addressing a mindset though that when we are free We cannot live such that we need somebody else Always setting boundaries and parameters for us when we're young and new. Yeah kids I'm not telling you not to listen to your parents don't hear anything I'm not saying I won't be causing troubles in the houses you still have to obey parents and the Lord that's in here too children obey your parents and the Lord children not 50 year old adults honor your father and mother carries on for life okay just to make sure I got that disclaimer in there but when we live such that we want somebody else to tell us what to do well we have an enemy who loves telling people what to do we have an enemy who only knows what it's like to be a slave master and to have servants who meet his needs that's the devil himself that's what he's like but i want to tell you good news today that the weakest member of the body of christ is stronger than the devil himself. Yeah. Infinitely more powerful than the devil himself. There is no demon in hell. There is no spirit. There's nothing that you're carrying on the inside. And there's nothing external that might try to influence you from the outside that has actual authority over you if you're in Christ. Now, outside of Christ, that's another matter. Outside of Christ, that's back in the place where you got to fend for yourself. And a simple human being is no match for the accuser, no match for the devil. Outside of Christ, that is dangerous territory. That's the howling wilderness where you don't know what's going to come to eat you next. But in Christ, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, then you already, from the day you are born again, you are more powerful than all the forces of hell combined when it comes to your life. Does that make sense? I'm going to prove it to you and quote some scripture to you. Because this is, this is the first, most important thing to understand if we want to be people who remain free. People who don't need to, as I shared a week or two ago, jump from experience to experience with God. Hey, I feel great now. I feel forgiven. I feel free. Three days later, I'm back in the same chains I got set free from, and I keep running back to, as the proverb puts it, as a dog returns to its vomit. That is such a nasty metaphor. I wish you would have picked something else. But it's accurate, <laughs> nasty as it is. And we're right back in that same pit that we got pulled free from, and, and, and instead of living that way, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. The first thing to understand is nobody has power over you—not the devil himself or any demon of hell. No, it doesn't matter how long you've been addicted. Doesn't matter how long you've carried that spirit in your life. Receive the revelation, understanding that you're already more powerful. If all the forces of hell just concentrated on you like they did Jesus on the cross, they still have no authority over you. So that's the truth. When Jesus was talking to a crowd of people about John the Baptist, powerful prophet, fearless prophet. He got in the face of whatever king or anybody in front of him he had no problem telling who's who first person to actually identify supernaturally by hearing the voice of god this is the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world that was john the baptist and people were raving about him and he was talking about john he'd been arrested and he said truly i say to you though among those born of women there has not arisen anyone greater than john the baptist in other words Line up Isaiah, Elijah, Elisha, all of the prophets of old. You get Saul, uh, Samuel the prophet, get Moses a prophet together. There's nobody ever born of women greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The least in the kingdom. Man, there are so many people that think they're the least. It's like there's a competition for I'm the least in the body of Christ. I'm not worthy of the body of Christ. And I know, I understand that feeling. It's a lie. It's a lie. I feel like I need to address this for a moment. If you're here today, and you believe that you have less of a right to sit in a company of saints like this than somebody else who's more righteous, well, I've heard her prophesy, and oh, she's been in Christ for like 80 years, and no, I'm not worthy of their their presence like that. Would you throw that lie to the ground right now with me? I cast that lie down in Jesus' name. There's nobody who ever sat at the table of the Lord that earned their way to that table. Nobody. Okay, if you got saved on your daddy's knee when you were three, and the worst sin you ever did was eight cookies before dinner you still we're invited to that table you have an equal place at that table to everybody else so but but my point is even if you view yourself as the least like I'm not powerful man I've never engaged in anything great I've never done anything that would ever make anybody go Wow that was amazing you're the least I'll, I'll give you a moment you can think of yourself that way you are still greater than John the Baptist yeah. Right. Come on. Wow. that's the truth if you resist that I'll share again next week more on strongholds but if you if something in you says I don't know if I believe that you have a stronghold in you because yeah. I just read a scripture this is true no matter who reads it it's true yeah. Jesus said those words it's the truth if something in us says I'm not so sure about that then that is a spiritual stronghold more on that that kind of stronghold next week John said to his spiritual children, and he addressed them as such, he said, you're from God, little children? <laughs> little children, that's how he referred to his disciples. It's this affectionate 80-year-old grandpa kind of thing, like, come on around, little kids, and you can be 50 and you're still little children with Grandpa John, you know, he's like that. You're from God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. The one who is in you. <laughs> makes you greater than the devil who is in the world the devil and all you plus God is always a majority keep Christ in you remain in Christ and you are greater than any force of hell that tries to keep you from moving on remember I, I shared with you about how bondage works and why we're continually in need of being set free anything that we go to do that we either feel like it's a, a dream of our heart or a dream that came from heaven which by the way are impossible to discern when you're in Christ here's another one I'm gonna pause there's another freebie for you if you're wrestling if you ever wrestle with that I don't know if that's me or that's the Lord anybody ever do that I don't know if that was me you hear this voice or you get this thought I don't know if that's me or that's the Lord here's a simple test for you were you in prayer seeking God are you in Christ walking with him then it doesn't matter if it was you or the Lord you're in sync now, we are all very prone to manipulating and rationalizing, and if you find yourself wrestling inside to get to that place, I'm not a, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like you got a dream of something you're going to do. Maybe you had words, other people have confirmed it, prophets have confirmed it, and you're going to do it. And then you get stuck in this place and you feel like I'm, I've reached the end of my leash. I've had all this freedom, I thought, and now all of a sudden I go to do the one thing I want to really succeed at, and I'm stuck. I can't get past it. That's what we need freedom for. So the good news is greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world you do have in you the capacity to overcome every stronghold and everything that stands in your way. Does that mean we don't need each other? No. No, we're going to need, that's why the scripture in Hebrews, it says, encourage one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Now it says, encourage one another daily daily and so much more, which means more than once a day as you see the day approaching. With the increase of evil, we need to be reminded, we need to be encouraged. It's what I view one of my primary roles or anybody's role, sharing from this, we don't even have a pulpit, what should we call it? Sharing from this place in front of the saints. That's our role, encourage, fill you with enough courage that you keep on and you keep pressing in for what's in front of you. You wanna hear, a, this is my favorite one of all in Psalm 8. David had this revelation from the mouths of infants and nursing babes. That's as little as you get outside the womb. You've established strength. Why? Because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. Why did he put praise in the mouths of the littlest, helpless human being? Because their are enemies afoot. And that would be a great place to put strength. So this, this may help. It didn't always help me. But next time you hear your baby crying at 2 o'clock in the morning, moms and dads, they might be praising. They might be hungry. They might just be cranky. They might just be testing out the only word that they know. That could be too. But remember, he's established strength. He's established praises, as, as Jesus put it because of the adversary, So if the littlest human beings alive, according to the word of God, have been given a mouthful of authority, strength, because of their adversaries, then all of us are infinitely more powerful than any force of hell. Can we just soak in that for a minute? Can you just close your eyes so you could just be with Jesus and not be distracted by anybody else? We've been talking about why do we close our eyes when we pray. Sometimes it's necessary just so we're not distracted. And um, as you do that, does anything in you right now resist the thought, I am infinitely more powerful than the devil himself? than any addiction that I have, than any bondage that I have. I am, because of Christ in me, I am infinitely more powerful than whatever would stand in my way from living and having life, and that more abundantly. I bless you in Jesus' name, and I say be free of that thought right now. Stronghold resisting the truth of the authority and the power of every believer, you fall to the ground right now in Jesus' name. I wanna invite you to take authority over your own mind now. You declare that over yourself. I believe that I have Christ in me and Christ in me together with me is more powerful than that thing that's holding me back. So because if we don't believe this, here's what can happen. I've ministered to hundreds, maybe I'm into thousands of people now who have issues. And that's mostly the only reason if somebody has a, like, if they make a meeting with me, it's because they got issues. And that's fine. I love it. I love being involved. I'm honored to be involved in issues. And so meeting with somebody, we're trying to discern what's the real issue, what's the root issue, as we call it. And I want to know what's going on in there. And... Um, And always I want to know, can this person receive the truth to know that you don't even need me for this process? I'm just here to help you remember who you are, remember who is in you, and remember how much greater he is than this problem we're about to talk about. That's why, you know, I don't do counseling, really. My favorite book when I was in seminary before I dropped out was, it was called, My Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. (laughs) It was written by a pastor as a reminder that you don't have to be like a master's level professional counselor, student, preacher, you know, all the things. You know, one of the other books was, it had different chapters called The Pastor and His Counseling, The Pastor and His Preaching, The Pastor and His Visitation, The Pastor and His, and we all said, we're going to put one more chapter at the end. We're going to call it The Pastor and His Nervous Breakdown. Yeah. The point is, there, there are times that we get stuck and we need somebody else to help us get out of the pit, but if we would just begin by knowing the truth about who we are and what he has entrusted to us, the least in the body of Christ is still greater than John the Baptist. I think it's very prophetic how the first word about Jesus was um, saying that the serpent would strike his heel and that he would crush his head. Right, So striking his heel happened at the cross. Jesus crushed his head. Well, what do you crush a head of a serpent with? The bottom of your feet. So if you're the lowest, least member of the body of Christ and you think I'm just a heel, we don't call anybody that anymore. It's kind of old school insult. You're just a heel in the body of Christ. Well, guess what? You're still on top of the serpent's head. I'm going to find a dozen more metaphors before we're done just to make sure you never forget this point. You know, I'm serious because when it comes to being free, when it comes to getting set free, when it comes to living free, if we forget this revelation, then we get out there and we're just duking it out with the devil and the demons and we're on our own. And we forget that we've got something in us, someone in us who already conquered whatever the problem is before it even happened. So our first step to freedom in an area where we're struggling constantly is let's identify the root of the problem. I've given you one that's like the root of all roots. I don't know who I am. That's the root of all roots. I forgot who I was for a minute there, or for a season there. I forgot that I'm a son of God. I forgot I've got Christ in me. I forgot who I really am. That's the root of all roots, but there are other roots. There are other things, and all roots bear fruits. We'll talk more about this with Strongholds next week. There's a fruit in our life that we're not happy with, or we're not bearing fruit in an area that we want to bear. There's a root problem And a wise counselor, this is a good place for learning wisdom, and I'm not saying again, you don't need to go get a a training to be a counselor, although I love people that do that and they have understanding and wisdom in the ways of the heart, that's all well and good. But for all of us to just look at our own heart, you don't need a degree to find out. Look at the fruit and say, what is the root? What's the real issue behind the issue? You know what's interesting about Jesus? Whenever somebody asks him a question, you never notice he never answers a question. He answers it with a question or he answers a question that they didn't even ask. And it's because he could see through. You think you want me to treat your symptoms right now, but I want to go for the disease. You know, one of the most dangerous things you can do is just take painkillers to cover up pain in your body without finding out why you have that pain. Pain has an amazing, awesome, important purpose in our body. It tells us there's a problem here. You are leaning on the stove. You're going to have no hand if you don't move it. I and mean, it happens in a millisecond, but that's what pain's all about. Pain inside of our body is drawing attention to, hey, there's something wrong in here and you should tend to this before it kills you. That's what pain's really all about. So we're finding the roots of those things because what we misdiagnose, we'll mistreat. So Is there a demon world is there a realm of the spirit of darkness the kingdom of darkness is that real I'm just seeing where I can start from here on this I I think I could start more like high school college level with this body but I'm just checking sometimes to know yes there is you know what their favorite belief is is people that don't believe that they exist the devil don't care if we worship him he doesn't need Satanists to feel important. All he needs to know is that he can hide and cover and that he can do his thing without being seen that's his favorite place to be hidden. I once talked with uh, Mohan Babu. I think I've shared this with you cuz I'd been to India and we had like deliverance people flopping on the ground. It was it was insane. And I'd never seen that before. So it was it was like my first time casting out a demon was in India. I finished preaching, somebody fell to the ground in front of me and started slithering around. And I said, "Oh, here we go. I'm going to see if this works." And it did simple words nothing complicated didn't they didn't teach me that in seminary and 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 it worked and I asked him when he came here I said why don't we see that in America so much Oh, well he had something good to say about the American Church so you're gonna love this he said the American Church has really even though you have issues you still have the culture there is still a spiritual atmosphere in the United States unlike anywhere else in the world. And if you travel someplace where they actually worship idols, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. There is a feeling of darkness when you get there. It, it just, the atmosphere feels oppressive. And he said, because we worship them, they don't feel the need to hide. But in America, the church will spot demonic, you know, sometimes you put them in mental health institutions. But the church will know. If they manifest and so they hide better and so we are gonna talk a little bit in the next two three weeks about deliverance ministry and we're gonna be comfortable with deliverance ministry and we're gonna be comfortable with the fact that some of us even may have some demonic influence or oppression going on in our lives let me put you at rest about something a believer cannot be possessed by a demon which by the way is not in the New Testament that, that, that word possessed is not in the New Testament. Tormented by? The phrase is, that person has a demon. That per, the woman who had a demon, or that man who has a demon. Now, full on, we got the man, the Gnasarine demoniac, we call him. That guy was full on possessed. He was owned by a thousand. You know, he said, we are legion on the inside of him. That is like a one in a hundred thousand case. What I'm talking about is... How many of you have ever ever had a cold? We're a pretty healthy church. (laughs) Or you just don't want to raise your hand. Or don't want to think maybe it was COVID. No, no, we're not. That's the name that shall not be named, right? You can have a disease. It doesn't mean the disease possesses you, but if you don't address it, it can hurt you. Some diseases can even kill you. I mean, they say that in the human body right now, we have every virus that we've ever been in contact with on the inside. You hear those creepy commercials for shingles vaccinations? <laughs> you hear those? It's the sort of Sandman. And it's sleeping on the inside, waiting for its mu- You know, it's like, whoa, dude. You can have, we can have demons without being demonized. And just like we can have a disease without it being a fatal disease. So now that I just opened a can of worms, you're going to have to come back in the next couple of weeks to understand (laughs) what I'm talking about. Now, would you get freaked out if I said, hey, you have a cold? Would you be like, ah, I have a cold? Maybe a couple of you would. (laughs) (laughs) If I said, maybe you do have a demon, would you go, ah, it's not in the Bible oh yeah it is more on that in two weeks (laughs) because we're not looking for a devil under any bush and we're certainly not now I just removed anybody's excuse hey I've got a demon in me or I got demonic influence in my life and that's why I do the thing I do no it's not not if you're in Christ it's not even if you have full-on like you hear voices in your head level demonic oppression in your life greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world the devil did not make you do it do you know that there was the first sin followed by the first lie so there's Adam and Eve after they sinned. God looks at Adam and says, Adam, did you eat from the tree? And Adam, right out of the gate, first result of sin. Well, the woman that you gave to me ate it at first. The only other two people alive. And he's throwing them both under the bus, even God himself. Well, my fault. She did it. I did it because she did it first. And because you gave her to me. <laughs> Then he looks at the woman, is that true Eve? Did you eat from the tree? She's the first one ever said, the devil made me do it. Yeah. <laughs> the serpent, he beguiled me. Throw blame right off somewhere else. We are a people of responsibility. We are spiritually, re- we are free born citizens of heaven. We are responsible for our lives now. We have authority and we have therefore responsibility that comes with that freedom to maintain it. So no, it doesn't matter. Sometimes in ministry, it really doesn't matter whether there's an active, demonic thing going on or whether it's just some old stronghold and you've learned and become patternized into living that way. It really doesn't make a difference because the sun's going to set you free regardless of what's going on immediately in that place. So we we do need to discern. So not everything is actively demonic, in other words. There are things, sometimes the devil can, it's like he kind of winds up the toy and then lets it go. And then we're happy to carry on in that issue for the rest of our lives. We'll, we'll just continue on in that thing. We're going to talk about roots next week and what, the, uh, what some, uh, the most common roots are of demonic influence or oppression in our lives. But sometimes the devil doesn't even have to keep feeding that thing because we're feeding it. We've learned how to live with it. And so we feed it. We feed it by believing in its power. We feed it by practicing the things that that caused us to get caught up in that thing in the first place. Paul described this process, and he was writing this after, in the book of Romans. I'm in Romans 7 here. Paul wrote this section of scripture after he'd been preaching Christ for at least 25 years, maybe more. He wrote this section, and I hope this sets you free. If, if you're here today, and you find that you keep struggling with the same kind of issue over and over again, and maybe have a season of freedom, and then bam, there it is again, and it pops up again in your life, you're going to love this section of Scripture I'm about to read. Not to make excuses, because Paul was a man of responsibility, wasn't he? Paul was not a man to say, well, the devil made me do it, guys. Sorry, I'm stuck in my sin, and I'm going to use the Bible and mercy and grace to justify staying in sin. When, when he wrote earlier in Romans about baptism he said there's some that say let us go on sinning so that grace might abound and and the Greek word that he starts chapter 6 with doesn't translate very well but it, it, his response to that is what is wrong with you what are you stoned put down the pipe you know it was kind of that kind of a you got to be crazy of course we're not saying keep sinning so that you can get more forgiveness what that's what that's what that's like anyway i shouldn't have gone there romans 7 gets into this this battle that we have on the inside so we're free but we still have issues We still have things that are looking. I I would say it like at the cross, every stronghold in our heart was demolished. That moment that we were crucified with Christ, we went in a baptism tank, and we we died to our old self, and we were resurrected into newness of life. Every stronghold was destroyed, but the devil didn't throw away the blueprints, and he loves rebuilding those things. So everything that we now choose to participate, every lie of his we agree with, every activity he tempts us into that we participate in, all of those things, stone by stone, rebuild the foundation of things that God demolished at the cross for us. And that's why we still deal with these things, even though we're in Christ for months or years or decades. And so Paul addressed it. And he said, what I'm doing, I don't understand. I do not practice what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing that I hate. If I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, here it is, but sin which dwells in me, for I know nothing good dwells in me I mean my flesh that is for the willings present in me but the doing of the good isn't for the good that I want I don't do but I practice the very evil that I do not want but if I'm doing the very thing that I do not want he dances around a lot don't make you a little dizzy sometimes (laughs) it sounds like a lawyer actually they used to study the book of Romans at Harvard law school to learn how to make the case for something. So the first eight chapters, we call it the case for grace. I don't know if anybody else calls it that, but that's why I call it, the case for grace. Anyway, now that I gotta get undizzy, then I can keep reading. I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Sin that dwells in me. So Paul, are you saying that you can't help yourself? that there's something on the inside of you that compels you to do things that you don't wanna do? He's saying, yeah, yeah. He ends it with thanks be to God. Who will deliver me from this body of death thanks be to god through jesus christ our lord he's not saying in this passage hey we're stuck with sin for the rest of our lives we're just sinners saved by grace you got to read the rest of the book especially the next chapter spend some time ruminating as we say read romans 8 over and over and over and over again but he is acknowledging a truth that's necessary just like we would want to know if i have a sickness in me if i have a sickness dwelling in me i want to know what it is I want to know what's going on. I want to know why I have that headache. I want to know why my bowels are killing me right now. I want to know why I have whatever symptom I've got. What is it that's in me? That's what he's addressing. Sin that dwells in me. It's like a disease and it works the same way. It's also just as easily overcome. Do you know how many diseases a day our body takes care of and we don't even know about it? We got these viruses alive in our body. Why don't they get to a point where they kill us? Because our body's destroying them. You ever see a white blood cell in action? It's the coolest thing. They are ruthless. They're the tiny little things, man. They, they surround that thing or whatever the foreign invader is. And then they crush it and boom, scatter it into atoms. They atomatize it. That's just awesome. I'm sorry. I know I'm geeking out a little in science world, but everything in the natural world speaks to something spiritual, and that's what Christ in us does with issues in our lives. That's what he does with the sin that dwells in us. It's not you. Paul said, it's not I that sins. It's sin that dwells in me. In other words, my identity is not changed just because I sin. I'm still a son of God I'm still a freeborn citizen of heaven I am still a man who knows the grace of God yeah I sinned again I I don't even know what he was talking about like what did he do I know he could be a little harsh with his words so maybe it was that I don't know I mean he he told I'm not gonna go there stop it some of the things he put in the scriptures even whoa he said that well Jesus said things like that too whatever the sin issue was that Paul was saying I've still got this thing he knew By the grace of God, I am what I am, 1 Corinthians 15. And his grace wasn't in vain. So this doesn't change who we are. In other words, I'm not going to let my sin define me. I won't let the issues that I still have change what I know I am by the grace of God. When we find ourselves repeating the same pattern of sin or resisting God's leading in our everyday lives, we've stumbled on a spiritual stronghold. That's exactly what Paul's describing here. Why do I keep doing the thing I don't want to do? And why do I not do the thing that my heart longs to do? It's called a stronghold. It's a fortress of darkness that rests in our mind. It it determines the way we think about things and then it affects our heart, which affects our behavior in life. And again, we'll go deeper into that next week. The good news is the good news. The good news is that every stronghold has already been defeated on the cross. That's good news. Don't be scared of the big bad wolf. The gooder news (laughs) is that now we get to have fun demolishing those strongholds together with Jesus. In other words, he left some of the work for us to do. He didn't just, I mean, wouldn't it be great if he would just, what what would it be like to be possessed by God? We always talk about demonic possession. What if we were just possessed by God? You know what that would make us? Robots. Mindless puppets which is what people accuse God of being. He's just a puppet master. We don't have a free will, we just do whatever we want. So for whatever reason, God chose to design life, the universe and everything in a way that we have a free will and when our free will cooperates with his will, now we've got life and we've got that more abundantly. And that's how we take down these strongholds. The, the you know, I used to feel really strongly and I had to pick it up from ministries that I learned from when I was new in Christ that if you try to minister to something that was before the cross, you're ministering to Adam, Adam who died in that baptism tank. And so counseling or any of that, that's really irrelevant. That's a waste of time. Now, uh, now I've come to a, an understanding more that if there's still fruit of it, it's alive. If it's still affecting your life, it's still, you know, you're still falling into it, then, then it needs to be crucified. Something got missed in that baptism tank. Maybe you put some baggage off to the side and then got in, came back out, or for whatever reason, the devil found a way in. We'll talk about doors as part of next week or the week after. There, we let the devil back in and he rebuilt the stronghold. Whatever it is, the point is, if it's happening, it's real and it needs to be addressed. So it's not just, and now that's been crucified with Christ. The reality is right now I've got a disease. Somehow I got sick again, and I need freedom from that. I need deliverance from that. That's getting real. That's applying the blood. Remember I shared about applying the blood to the door. The blood is sufficient for everything in the moment we're saved, but it still needs to be applied to our lives. And we still need, when we find these things that come up, we need to apply the blood to our lives. So first step. And destroying strongholds we all know the scripture from James resist the devil and he'll flee from you right so all you got to do you got to get up and fight you fight that devil resist him he tries to tempt you into it you just you say no I'm not gonna do it and and you're not the boss of me and you, you get into it right of cuffs like that and that's where most folks try to do their battle against these strongholds against these issues in our lives. And we think all I gotta do is resist. If I could just work up enough willpower, come on, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world and we'll resist it and then the devil will run away. And then we do that, weeks turn into months and we've said, he's not running away. Why isn't he running away? I keep resisting and he's still here. Why is he not here? Because you, took the, you missed a part of the verse, that's why. We missed a part of the verse. It's not just a matter of resisting. Every addict will tell you, resistance is all well and good. But once you've gotten hooked, resistance, it's almost like judo. You resist it and you get sucked more in to the thing. The harder you fight against it, it seems the more power it gets over you. And it's only if we miss the first part of this verse, which I know some of you already, you're already ahead of me. It is submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I'm gonna tell you the number one issue, number one open door in the life of any saint of God is rebellion. And I'm saying it because I love you. I'm saying it because I too have been guilty of this. Knowing what we should do and not doing it on purpose. like free will decision to say I am not going to do what God just told me to do number one open door we cannot continually be delivered from evil and at the same time open the door for evil in our lives and expect to live a life of freedom it's just not going to happen it's like fighting a fire while you're feeding the flame it's impossible and so Submitting to God, the first step to toppling demonic strongholds is to live a lifestyle of faith toward God. Remember, this is what repentance looks like, right? The elementary principles of Christ in Hebrews 6 repentance from dead works. So I shared this one the other week, right? You're walking in this direction in life. I'm repenting from dead works because I'm turning around and I'm doing a 180 now. Now I'm heading back toward God and I'm moving toward him the rest of my life. Whether I stumble and fall, I'm still moving toward him and my life is in that direction. No matter how far, I don't know how you measure that, how far away from him I feel. Well, repenting from dead works, now I'm toward something, right? So I'm living a lifestyle of faith toward God. Remember, I'm crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. But this life that I live by the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So now I'm just going to endeavor to live my life in such a way that I'm faith toward God. Everything he says, I do it. I'm just toward him. I'm, I'm waking up asking, Daddy, what's on your heart? For today. I'm laying down at night going, Daddy, what happened today? How can I process the events of today with you? I've got my faith toward God. There are people who just simply, I've known people who are crack addicts who never once had like a deliverance session with people laying hands on them to set them free from the oppression they gave themselves over for. I've known Satanists who, I mean, they practiced dark arts and never once had like a time where they publicly renounced their former sin or had somebody lay hands on them to set them free. They lived a simple life of faith toward God. They were so excited to be set free. They couldn't consume enough of his word. They were in church gatherings whenever the doors were open. They were in prayer. They were in fellowship with Jesus every day, and little by little, day by day, these strongholds began to just topple, and they were free. That is possible. That is absolutely possible. Before we go in and talk about deliverance ministry and ministry, you know, these special moments where the sun sets you free of a certain thing, just understand it all has to be in this context of, I'm living toward God now. There is nothing else more important to me there is nobody who comes first nobody greater nobody more important in life I am living toward God he is the best deliverer that's ever lived he has the best life living close and intimate with him you know life begins to to feel dark and it begins to fall apart the further away from him we step but living life with faith toward God. We find that there are temptations that aren't temptations, and we didn't even pray for deliverance. For me, it was alcohol. I was on my way to becoming an alcoholic. He he saved me before I fell deep enough into that pit, but I mean like a few years of drunk from Wednesday to Sunday level, and it it was awful. I mean, I thought it was fun because I was numb, to all the other junk in my life at the time. And I thought it was, you know, great. I didn't enjoy the morning after very much, but you know, that's the price you pay um, for that. I got saved. And for a while, I just kept away from bars. I kept away from atmospheres. I didn't even want to smell beer anywhere I went. And I kept away from it for a while while I just got strong in the Lord. I don't know when it happened. I don't know how it happened. Well, I know how it happened. I don't know when it happened. But suddenly that temptation was gone. I have zero desire to ever get drunk again. I can't even imagine like if my whole life fell apart, I can't even imagine that that's what I would run to like I used to. Now how'd that happen? Oh, I didn't have people lay hands on me and set me free or I didn't pray God deliver me from my alcoholic way. I just trusted the cross and started living life and suddenly that desire shriveled up. Now there's other ones left and we'll continue to work on those, and, and God's good. He'll continue the process. He that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's the author of our faith. He'll also be the perfecter of our faith. And that's why we still have these things. But my point today is just that living toward God, obeying his voice, following, living the simple life. I read it in the Word. And now I'm going to put it into practice, and I'm going to keep Jesus real close. He's going to be with me in this journey every step of the way. So the most common root cause of any ongoing issue in a believer's life, not the only one. Please don't walk away because this is like, I don't know, two, three, or whatever part series that I'm going to share with you. Don't walk away today thinking, well, that's not my pride. I, I try to obey God. Man, I'm not, I don't have rebellion. In me, and I'm still stuck. There's hope for you too, and we'll get to you, I promise. Stay tuned, there's more freedom to come. But I'm gonna deal with, you know, this is the overwhelmingly most common one in just my years of ministering to people, is knowing what to do and not doing it on purpose. Not because you're stuck or in chains, but because you made a free will decision not to do it. It's disobedience, it's ultimately rebellion. So the first question to ask ourselves, you wanna do deliverance on yourself, you want to set yourself free together with Christ in you? First question to ask, if you have a persistent peace thief, that's what these things are. He, he made peace. We, we have peace with God. We have peace with ourselves at the cross, right? This is the ultimate fruit of the cross. So if something's stealing our peace, then the first question to ask is, am I cooperating with God in this, or am I still going my own way? That's the first question to ask. And that's a question for you to ask in a place where you can be completely honest. I hope that all of us have come to a place of total transparency and honesty with the Lord. No more hiding, no more pretending. It's, it's, it's a dumb idea anyway. He already knows. So to hide from Him, to try to pretend with God like everything's all right when it's not, it's just a dumb idea. He's a loving Father. His arms are open wide. And He's saying, I want you back. But King Saul, he could have had an everlasting kingdom. That's what God told him. King Saul was told, wipe out the Amalekites. I want them gone off the face of the earth. And and he didn't do it. So Samuel said to him, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. And insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. What's divination or witchcraft? That is when we call upon the forces of darkness and literally invite them in to empower us to do something. That's about as idolatrous as, that is like swing wide the gate's open door for demonic oppression. When we actually call on the name of the devil and ask for his help with something or some spirit representing the devil at the time. But the prophet Samuel said, look, disobeying God, like completely saying, I don't care what you said, I'm gonna do this instead. There's no different than divination. You may as well be calling on Lucifer himself to help you because if you rebel against God, you've turned your back on him and now you've turned towards something else. Instead of repenting and turning toward him, you've turned away from God and you're turning toward, there's only two sources of power in the universe. The devil doesn't even have much of his own power but he is powerful. There's only two ways you can get any kind of help and any kind of power. It's either coming from above or it's coming from below. And when we, when we go and shake your fist at heaven rebellion and say, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do it this way, then, then what the prophet said is, you may as well right now be engaged in witchcraft. It's the same thing. You know what the worst spirit of all is? Tangle with a bunch of spirits. the worst spirit to tangle with of all. His name is Yahweh. You can't cast him out. You can't rebuke him. Try it. I don't recommend it. You can't rebuke him. I think I might have told you this story. It was a pastor, friend of my pastor's in Boston, who was praying and calling on the Lord for Uh, Boston to be saved and to have another awakening and you know like the days of Whitfield and so on and he was praying and he was asking the Lord what's the what's the name of the spirit that's that we're contending with why are we having such opposition we have such a strong on fire church and and we've been praying for decades in this place and what's happening and the Lord spoke to him and said the spirit that you're contending with is Yahweh That was not the name I was looking for. He said, Because you have strife and division between your churches, and because you you permit things to go on in your gatherings that are not from me, you have gossip and you tear one another down. The pastors are against each other, the the people eat themselves and consume each other. And I'm resisting you because God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Then it broke the man, and he changed how he was praying from that moment onward. Rebellion is an open door to demonic influence and oppression. And it's exactly what happened in the garden. Of all the moments of history that I wish I could go back to, it's that moment when Eve, Eve did first, extended her hand to that tree. I can see it like it's in a movie when you, knew, no! you know, one of those kind of moments. But what happened in the garden? God said to Adam and Eve, don't eat from that tree you can have any other tree in the garden eat from the tree of life all you want live forever eat from any of the thousands of trees I've provided for you in this place but that one right there don't eat from it for in the day in which you eat it you'll die then came along that slithery serpent whispered a few you know the original lies that came before the original sin and she reached from the tree she ate gave it to Adam he ate it was a rebellion What happened in that moment? God said, you can't live in paradise anymore because you have just opened a door. Now paradise will be infected with the kingdom of darkness. You've invited the disease of darkness, the disease of evil into this perfect place. And um, you're going to get consumed by the white blood cells. We're going to clean that out because there's no sin in heaven. Lucifer fell like lightning from heaven in an instant when he rose up in rebellion against God because we don't have disease up here. We don't have anything that causes sorrow in this place. And so we have opportunity now, good news, we have opportunity now to repent of our rebellion, to say, I am no longer going to say no when God speaks to me. So this is between you and the Lord. I don't really feel to do like an altar call kind of thing, but here's the good news. The Garden of Eden, which is paradise restored. This is some artist's rendition of it, but uh, I don't know, I think it's much more beautiful than that. That this is what the whole earth is going to look like by the time Jesus and us gets through with it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this is what the inside of you looks like right now? This is Eden, right? At the cross, we got a new heart. We don't have that heart that's deceitfully wicked anymore. That, that's the old heart. We got a new heart. This is the picture of our new heart. It is lush, it is beautiful. It has the law of God written right on it. It doesn't need anybody to say, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. It already knows. So when we engage in rebellion, when we eat from the other tree, we are bringing darkness into that perfect paradise that's why it's so dangerous that's why it's it's so um well it's just so wrong i'm out of words so now it's time to pray i'm going to just ask you to just between you and the lord if there are areas in you right now that you know i have been hard-hearted toward god i have said no when he's when he said go i said no when he said stay i said i'm going whatever it is, you know that you on purpose, not because you're stuck in something, not because you've fallen captive to an addiction or, you know, some kind of pattern of sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in a moment of freedom that you've just gone ahead your own way again. If you want to be free the way the sun sets free, let's just take a moment with the Lord right now and repent of those things. And and by the way, Repentance isn't always this gigantic, you know, balling on the ground affair. Repentance is simply a determination. I'm looking at you now, Jesus. And next time you say go, I'll go. That's repentance. So Lord, we thank you for the gift of repentance. Thank you for making us people who are free and welcome back in. No more angels guarding the way. No cherubim of flaming swords guarding the way back into paradise with you. You've already rent that veil in two, and You've made a way back, an easy, new, living way back into your presence. Lord, I pray that today... You would welcome some backsliders back into your presence. That today you would welcome back those among us that have been carrying a spirit of unbelief. You would welcome back today with wide open arms those who have done a full-on prodigal, took their inheritance and ran the other way. Thank you for being the kind of father that loves to see prodigals come home. I pray a spirit of restoration will be upon every single saint of God, that it would be easy, that every heart right now will find it easy to go running back into the Father's arms and experience all the joy and all the power of forgiveness and the new life, the renewed life that's right on the other side. I feel like I need to address just one more lie before we go that, that prevents prevents us from stepping into this very thing right here, and it's the lie of despair. It's a lie that comes with, I've I've been in this for so long, and I've wasted so many years of my life on this. I don't even know what the point is of repenting, because what could God, you know, what could possibly come from this? It's been too many years, too long. Can I remind you that the word of the Lord says that he is able to restore the years that the locusts have eaten, He's able to renew and restore as if it never happened before. He's able to not just add years, but restore and make useful all of those years that you feel were a waste. He's able to make them all useful for your, your ministry right now, that mess becoming a ministry. He's able to do all of that exceedingly abundantly. He lives outside the realm of time. They weren't wasted years in the renewed kingdom that you have entered into. This is a new day. Embrace the new day and take no concern, no thought for the old. Just receive the newness of life in Jesus' name. Well, Lord, we thank you for the week that lies ahead. May it be filled with many opportunities and a whole new sense of freedom whom the sun sets free, really, really free. Amen.